WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, and we are finally back together in studio with one Merle Kelch. Merle, uh, I missed you, baby. I missed you, too. I missed you, too. (laughs) Yes, uh, good morning. Thanks for uh, being here in studio and uh, relatively on time today as well. Very impressive show. Yeah, I'm amazed because, uh, you know, I woke up, my wife kicking me, you know, like five after seven, saying, Radio, I'm like crap. You know, you go, you know, go running, get everything uh, uh, squirreled away, and put together, and done, and then ready to to, uh, to do the greatest show of all time. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good one today. Because uh, as we were just talking a little bit, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of upheaval one way or another. It seemed it seemed it was just another average week where we've got some ups, we've got some downs, but there was nothing that really really shook the markets. Uh, one way or another. There, there's been a couple of things inside of the marketplace that, that um, we want to touch upon. And one of them is, is there's a lot of fervor happening with people saying we're out of the bear market in the S&P 500, meaning from the low, which is about October. In fact, October 12th is the date from the articles that I'm picking. From the low to the now where we are as of yesterday, um, we're 20% up versus being 20% down, which would be in the bear marketplace. And so there's a lot of people that are coming up and saying, we're out of this. The whole world is better. We're not having anything's going to happen. There's no recession. Spend all your money. Uh, let's let's hold off here, folks. You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but one of the biggest things we have to remember, folks, is on the S&P 500, um, it's really the S&P 495 and then the other five guys that are driving the marketplace up. If we look at the Dow, the Dow is not up much this year. Um, but comparatively, the S&P 500 is up 20%, but it's because of about five stocks. Um, and usually you're, as they say, the face stocks, that kind of stuff, and throw NVIDIA in there too. Um, but so, so the marketplace is really kind of skewed as we've seen in the past. And so the growth is there, but it's not growth as we've expected or as we've seen um, um, in past years. So this 20%, yep, the S&P really is 20%, but it's not broadcast or broad or widespread within the whole S&P 500. It's just a few stocks, and mainly that tech and that AI stuff, uh, uh, if you will. Right. And, uh, you know, there was another uh, kind of, I don't want to say upheaval, but there was another uh, little nugget inside the markets this week. Of course, uh, Netflix came out with their password sharing crackdown Mm -hmm. the last few weeks. So uh, I'm sorry, Merle, you cannot leech off of my Netflix account anymore. Uh, We're going to have to ax you off of that. Uh, But that actually was probably some of the best news that Netflix could have gotten because their stock just absolutely shot up. I believe it was on about yeah. Thursday or yeah. Friday. I mean the 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 line graph on it was uh, was spectacular. So that's something that uh, I guess if you've had stock in Netflix, it might have been a good week to uh, to sell, as the old adage goes: buy low, sell high. Right. Well, you know, it was only inevitable that was going to happen with Netflix. Um, what's interesting is they started that, and I found out I had sixty-seven relatives I didn't know about when they started. <laughs> okay, that's not true, but. Right. Um, you know, you know. So it's interesting how they did that because we've got Netflix in three different places, and my wife and I do it, and we don't share our passwords. Um, but every time it'd pop up, it'd send a text message to me and saying, "Are you really on this machine?" And so I'd tell my wife, "You're not on the machine. I don't know who you are. You know, just have some fun." But <laughs> right. Uh, but it was only inevitable that happened. So the belief then is is that as a result of that, people are going to have to go out and actually spend money on their own and buy their own Netflix, and as a result, there um, increased profits. And of course, the stock price ran up. We'll see if that actually occurs. Um, we'll see. Um, but we're going to end up seeing the same thing happening with, you know, Disney and Paramount mm-hmm. and Prime and, and everybody else from that standpoint. 
Um, um, and I think it's a good idea. And, you know, if you're going to get something, maybe you ought to uh, pay for it, too. Right. Our industry has been having dual authentication on everything for about the last two years. I know it was only inevitable that it's going to come uh, to uh, our online services, too, in the same type of uh, uh, place. Yeah, and uh, in, and some people, as I was kind of reading up on this, because, I mean, the Netflix stock, again, it went up uh, considerably. We're talking double-digit uh, percentage points. Some people said, well, this might be the same as kind of the craft beer uh, theory. Again, you, you put out a new beer. Um, you're going to sell it pretty good. That first shipment is going to sell out. Why? Because people are trying it. It's a matter of can you sell the beer twice to somebody? Because obviously if they don't like it, they're not going to buy it again. Mm-hmm. Okay, all these people are signing up for a Netflix free trial. Well, let's see what happens in a month when those free trials are about to expire. Do they actually renew and the credit card processes or do they hit cancel and all of a sudden Netflix is uh, is out money again? Yeah. Um, the, the old... The old-fashioned, you know, lead them with service, you know, and give them something for free and lead them with service. So we went out for dinner last night. We went to a restaurant, which I'm not going to say the name of it, but you know, I was talking to the manager of the restaurant, and they said, well, you know, we've seen over the course of the last number of years where she had been gone that the service has just went away. And so they're going to bring that service again because people like to have service. Now, I'm one of these weirdos that when I went through college, I worked at a country club. And so we were taught you serve it this way. You do it this way. You do it this way. Um, and so, you know, I, I notice, I'm not saying that I have to have it that way. I'm on, you know, grew up an old fat guy here in Wausau. So, um, but, you know, the, usually the ladies are served from the left and they're served first with the meat turned in front inside of the plate. I mean, you, you notice all these little things, and all that stuff has seemed to have disappeared hmm. um, in this industry. And so this person wants to bring it back because they want to be that type of a service uh, to make it that nice, sure. you know. And uh, but that service stuff is all kind of uh, part of the thing. Um, you got to be able to deliver it with service, and and hopefully Netflix and others can do that by delivering great content of what they're doing or bringing in some great movies. What I would love to see out of one of the things is that if I want to see Harry and the Hendersons which you guys probably don't even know what that movie is. Uh, and if you do, I'd be pretty impressed. In my opinion, one of the funniest movies I've ever sure. seen. But anyway, if I want to see Harry and the Hendersons, I want to be able to pop it up and actually see it mm-hmm. um, versus a sub-select of whatever movie group that Netflix is having at this particular point in time. I don't think anybody's doing that as of yet, and maybe it's just, just there's just not enough uh, digital cloud space to house that much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that would be really, really neat if you could have that. Um, right. Um, so if there's a movie you thought about, oh, I haven't seen this movie in a while, you can go back in. Or perhaps they have all the uh, uh, you know award-winning movies over all the years, and you can see them all in a row and watch them if you choose. Mm-hmm. That would be really neat to me. But then again, um, I'm an old guy, you know. So and uh, you, you know, and and they're all scattered so many places now. You have to have so many different accounts. You know, we say the same thing. Soccer fans like myself, we've got Italy's league on this service. We've got the German Bundesliga yeah, yeah. on this service. It, it, it becomes complicated as to how many that you have to subscribe well, to. You know, the, you know I, th- I think eventually things come back around in circle. You know, if we look at it, we came around, we had Netflix. Well, then, you know, Paramount, Prime, Disney, everybody else thought, well, what a great idea. We're going to do it, too. I think Disney probably one of the better one because they had such a, a large amount of their sure. own content that they could bring out. Um, but just the you know, same reason when television first came out, you end up having NBC, ABC, uh, you know, uh, CBS popping out. So you had all that competition coming in. So competition, I think, makes everything better. Um, sorry, my socialist friends, but I still believe that's true. 
Um, but, uh, you know, competition makes everything better. And as a result of it, I can't wait to see what comes up into the future of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Netflix changed everything where they started making their own shows and movies and, and cut oh, the yeah. cost of the middleman out so they could just put it direct to their place. And a couple of shows were pretty darn good, too. You know, oh, yeah. And uh, that'd be nice. Absolutely. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, our chat is just filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. So if you've got uh, a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call. And we'll get you on the air. Or maybe even you just have a, a recommendation for Merle right now as to what uh, he should watch next on his <laughs> uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, Apple TV Plus account. Uh, actually, you know, I do I do kind of have a recommendation uh, for you, Merle. You do? Yeah. The uh, Apple TV Plus, they've got a, it's a pretty um, fascinating documentary on the uh, very short-lived European Super League of of soccer. It's called The War for Football. Uh, that was, it was, you know, as you as a guy that's in the markets and, and knows how money can drive things in the background, I think you might find it uh, pretty intriguing. I wrote it down. Yeah, he, he did. I can verify that. He did write it down. So, yes, make sure you check that out on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. If you don't have it, you can get a free trial, of course. Nice. <laughs> and hopefully we can deliver the content. Exactly. Exactly. See how we bring this all back together. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. You're making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. Hi. I have a question for Merle about having too many shares in one stock. Okay. Um, I ha- I just wondered um, what I should do with – I have – over 5,000 shares in one stock. And I got it many years ago. And I've had many splits, which I, as you probably realize, and uh, I just don't want to sell it. And I know sure. it's more than I should have in my portfolio. It's, it's, it's certainly an emotional one. Now, um, hopefully the shares of that stock was Tesla. Oh, don't I wish. Yeah, you'd be a billionaire, I think, by this point in time. Yeah, anyway. I know. And what's your name, hon? I'm sorry. My first name is Gene. All right, Gene. So, Gene, what percentage of your portfolio does this stock resent? You don't have to give me the numbers, but what percentage? Is it half? Is it it's, more than half? It's it's not quite half, but about 40%. Okay. Um, so, And I'll, I will tell you this. When I bought it, I took out every cent that I put into it, and then everything that I've made so far is all profit. Okay. So that's where I am. And, and I've obviously been told you've had it more than uh, 12 months and that whole bit for long-term capital gains. <laughs> I, obviously, I've okay. had it for 20 years. Um, Gene, may I ask what company it is? Sure. Um, Gilead Sciences. Okay. And uh, and what they were doing, is, as, as I had mentioned, splitting, where now all the other stock that I look at it's just too expensive, and they don't seem to split anymore. Right, right. Now, a couple of lessons in here. Uh, having 40% inside of one stock certainly can be dangerous. Um, yes. And I think you know that the volatility. That's where I'm calling. Your, your portfolio is really, very, is, uh, your wagon is hitched, as they say, um, on that horse team. So if you look at a lot of mutual funds, your larger mutual funds that are out there that are buying a lot of stock, and many of them, they limit themselves at 45 5%, 2.5%. But rarely do you see 10%, and certainly none of them matter 40% of a portfolio. So that diversification was certainly 
um, um, become problematic. Now, one of the things you may want to do from a safety standpoint would be talk with your financial uh, professional, whoever that might be. Um, if things go crazy, you might want to you know take a look at using some options to short it so you can protect yourself on a downswing in case something happens to the family somewhere along the way. So along the way in here, um, I, you, like many other people, you've got an emotional attachment to the stock because you've had it for so well, long, right? Well, the, the actual attachment I have is for the dividend that I really can use. Yeah, yeah. And the dividend is over 16000 Right. So I don't know what the dividend percentage is. I'm not looking up the individual stock in front of me. So I just Oh, it's sure about 4%. It's about 4%. So, yeah. I mean, you can find that in other high-quality stocks, too. Um, so... In instance, in here, I like to use the uh, the uh, the analogy from uh, gardening, if you will. If you have a, a nice bush or a nice tree and it's growing, sometimes you don't cut down the tree, but you got to trim some of the branches. And this would be one of those instances. Okay, um, the, and there's another problem too. When yeah. I sell it, I get hit with taxes. Sure. Now here's Big the part. Time. Here's the part that's the positive in that um, capital gains tax is still at the fifteen percent range or wherever mm-hmm. your your income bracket is. Um, I don't know what's going to happen for next year or the year after or whatever the new administration is going to do, but that's still what it is. Um, it's still at that lower level. So you might have the ability to, to do something like this, Gene. Um, maybe you take, <clears throat> and I, I don't know what the dollar amount is, so I'm making this up, of course. Maybe you take 10000 a year and say, well, I'm going to trip 10000 or $15,000 a year, and I'm going to plan on taxes on that. And I'm going to take that and move it over to XYZ company that's paying a similar dividend but it's in also in a different industry um, just to try to diversify your portfolio a little bit. So your income stays the same, but you're getting yourself diversified a little bit um, or make it so that uh, we have a dollar value. And let's say your dollar value for your portfolio in Gilead is, is a hundred thousand dollars. I'm just using a hundred cause that's easy math. And so if the value of it goes up to 125, well, we're going to sell 25 or we're going to move that to another industry paying similar, but at the same time, um, having a, a different industry as part of that portfolio. And maybe they do the same thing in six months or another year afterwards, but planning the taxes. The taxes right now, you're probably not going to get them any cheaper. Um, if you wait five years or six years, I think you're going to end up having a higher tax bracket on capital gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unfortunate part about what's going on with our current government is they're looking for every tax they can get <clears throat> to cover all the money they haven't spent yet. <laughs> and so... Um, I, I think understand. you're in a fairly good time right now from a capital gain standpoint, but certainly at 40%, you know, my belief would be that it's pretty high. Um, and you have an emotional attachment to the stock. There's a 12-step program for that, by the way, Gene. <laughs> it starts with bourbon. <laughs> I tried that. <laughs> well, try harder. Okay. So, um, uh, but, you know, that would be right. maybe the thing is to do something with a cap or just simply say we're going to take some or we're going to withhold some money for taxes to do so uh, and roll it well, into I, different industries with the same dividend. That might be the, the way to go. What I have is I have thought about it. I've gone through different stocks that I've looked and they've um, kind of wondered, well, are they going to be as steady as a stock? Are they going to are they going to go up and down? In that? And, and this stock has been really very it's not a real growth stock anymore, but it sure is steady. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. yeah so, I, I, okay, well, I appreciate your input <laughs> and, and very much. One of the things in here that um, you know, maybe the case is if you work with a financial professional, you can hop in and use a lot of computer stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The computer stuff, especially, um, um, we use Morningstar. Now, we have a different Morningstar version that people are going to see online just because of what we do for a living. 
um, we have the Morningstar on steroids, and, and when you log into it, your screen glows like it's uh, very, uh, you know, very liberating. It makes you feel okay. I'm just lying about all that <laughs> stuff, but um, so so in here, any financial professional is going to end up having the the tools through Morningstar and, and Value Line and other services. You can put in say, um, what are the parameters as far as the dividend stock paying ability? I'm sorry, dividend paying ability, um, income ability, and that kind of stuff of of uh, Gilead Sciences. Um, and are there other companies that look at look the same or mirror the same? Of course, none of them are guaranteed are going to you know perform the same. Maybe you find some that are better. Maybe some that are going to be similar. Uh, there's certainly some that are worse too. But you can put those parameters in, and use the computer to do that research and that work for you versus you trying to find it uh, one stock at a time. Let the computer do some of the heavy lifting. All right. All right. All you right. have a great day. Stay dry. Ah, thank you very much. All right. Have a Bye-bye. great day now. All right. Yep. Thanks for the call. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Uh, we got one more point I want to hit on quick uh, with what you were talking about there with our, our, our caller. We'll do that uh, next here on WSAU. 826 on Saturday morning. Uh, looks like we still have some rain coming down outside the WSAU studios as we are making financial sense here with Merle Kelch and uh, Merle uh, one point we wanted to hit on uh, with our last caller, just kind of a, a continuation to wrap up that conversation, or as I like to say, land the plane. Uh, we're talking about a portfolio that is made up of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was the number 40% yeah. out of one stock. And I think you, you hit on a great point in there, and that's diversification. And it was you look at the math, you look at what you're getting off of that one stock and see what you can get from a similar stock in a different industry, because sure. obviously if you've got all your stock into medical, well, when a COVID-19 pandemic hits, that seems like it could be great. But when things go back to normal, well, let's maybe switch things over to something in the tech sector or uh, a retail service sector and see if we can get a similar rate of return. Right. Um, and so part of my discussion that went with uh, Gene and this is, <clears throat> as part of diversification, there's a couple of really smart guys out there called Ross and Blacks. And Ross and Blacks does options pricing models. And, um, you know, for me, this is really exciting stuff. And you guys are probably going to go, what? Huh? All right. So <laughs> um, Ross and Blacks are a couple of smart guys, and they came up with options pricing models. So if we have a call or we have a put that we're either going to write or sell uh, for an options, there's got to be some sort of a model and determines what that price is going to be based upon the underlying stock and a riskless investment. And, in the old days, we actually do this junk by math, and now they plug it into a computer and pops up and says, here's your price, right. and you don't really see all the work behind it. But part of their discussion, one of the things that they had found then is that if you take a individual stock portfolio and you have about a dozen stock in multiple industries, you take out about 80% of the risk of losing all of your money. And they found that by looking for pricing for models of options, and it turns out to work as well for stocks. So one of the difficulties is, is for Gene is that if uh, Gilead Sciences, which is the stock that she'd use, and folks, we're not recommending to buy or sell that, just to let you know. Um, but if that stock all of a sudden gets a wild hair and starts doing something crazy, or one of the products that they had had, somebody decides, well, it's like a telecom powder now. It's going to be terrible. We're going to start suing. We now start seeing problems with that company, as we've seen with big bellwether stocks recently. For example, 3M right now is having such a difficult time from uh, hearing, uh, hearing, uh, uh, oh, geez, the, the budget uh, when you hear. Earplugs. Earplugs, there we go, for yeah, there we sound. Go. Yep. Um, as well as the, the PFOS manufacturing right. that they've done. 
And so, so with that, the difficulty comes with that. Another company comes to mind is, remember, Kodak Film. They used to make Kodak Film. Of course. How much film do we buy? Well, zero, I mean, pretty much. Um, they went so from making film to making digital cameras, so they pivoted. Yeah. And they, but they, now who has a digital camera? <laughs> yeah, and, and they didn't run fast enough with that one. They could have done some tremendous things. Right. So, so in that, that's where the difficulty comes in. So you have to get yourself diversified and look for about a dozen stocks. And you want to have them so that they're weighted um, in, in one way or another. Maybe you have it weighting so it's uh, by sector like the S&P 500B. Maybe you have it weighted with just different companies in different areas that are good quality companies. Some of them are weighted by companies that pay a little bit higher dividend, especially for folks that are retired. Uh, they want something that pays a little more dividend. But 40% in one can be really dangerous because of that volatility of that one stock. Something happens with that one stock. Um, uh, and and, and um, uh, Gina, I hope that you're listening. But when I was young, uh, there was a company that ended up having a plant that was U.S. Chemical in Bhopal, India. Um, and they had plants all over the world. Profitable company, doing well, making good stuff. And then one of their plants blew up uh, in Bhopal, India. Um, and many, many, many people died because of this, mm-hmm. because of the, the, the chemical cloud that went through. And their stock just fell right off. Uh, now, it, it came back again, not that that's important, um, um, but, you know, it was a, an event that happened that was unforeseen, and all of a sudden you saw a good, high-quality company. Its stock fell apart, and, of course, there's a lot of lawsuits and issues that happened. Um, but it took a long time for that to happen. Now, if you're a person who is rely upon that for retirement, that lack of diversification, if you had that company, could have really caused a lot of problems. Again, why you spread it out. So you have to look at some sort of a way um, in cases like that to be able to trim some of the branches, as I said, and get that money rediversified. It only makes uh, sense for people to do so. Again, he's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99, 9WSAU. If you have a question for Merle, feel free to give us a call at 715-845-2155. We'll be back with more after this, but first, to look at your news. AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU online at WSAU.com as well. Taking a look outside the window, it looks like some rain showers might be holding off now, but we should see some more later on today, which, of course, is good news for uh, many, whether you just like a, a green lawn or, you know, you're a farmer and need it and your livelihood depends on yeah, it. Yeah, Absolutely. I saw my grass is so dry that I saw a whole crop of worms leaving. They oh, just, okay. They just got up and they just started uh, migrating someplace else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, don't, at least I don't have not... any border walls. They could just go yeah. wherever they wanted. Well, so, at least it's yeah. not your problem anymore. It's yeah, your neighbor's exactly. problem. Yeah, he's <laughs> Merle Kelch, of course. Uh, and I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. As always, our uh, chat is just filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. Uh, Merle, you know, we, we always talk about the weather. It's a great non-threatening topic. I mean, what's what's the number? You spend how much of your life talking about the weather, and, you you know, you can't control it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, in you know, in the sense of our show, you know, it could actually be something, be that locally, nationally, whatever it may be, because obviously here in this area, so much of what we uh, what we do economically depends on the farmers being able to, to come into town and spend money. And, of course, that depends on how much rain we get as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, we got the heat. We need the rain for, especially for the corn guys. None, uh, yeah, definitely out there. No kidding. You see how I see how I tie this all together. <laughs> you eventually, you did, you're brilliant, absolutely I, stunning. Thank you. Just, I yeah. appreciate that. So, in tying it together, we were talking about diversification. Make sure we spread some stuff around. Um, throughout the course of this year, we've been working on cases and portfolios, and and usually what it is and, and how it works, folks, is in our office. And this isn't a, a tout for our office, but just showing you a process. 
that goes through. So we have somebody who is unhappy with their company, and they come over to Kelch. And so you have this whole basket full of stuff and investments, and, and when that whole basket of investments come over, we go through the work and say, okay, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's different, what do you like, what do you don't like, how's the portfolio look, what's the construction look like, um, how's the risk associated with the marketplace, all that kind of stuff. And from that, you have to start taking a look at pieces and say what's missing, what's not missing, which branches do we have to trim, as we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and in here, there's a nice little article that talks about that on Market Watch this morning. And the uh, article is from Isabel Wang called Small Cap ETFs May Look Attractive As Recession Concerns Fade, But Blindly Chasing a Rally May Not Be Without Risk. Of course, good article. But the thing they talk about is um, um, getting into small caps and maybe using some ETFs for small caps. And now, the reason I bring that up here is when we start looking at a portfolio for a client, we typically see portfolios that are all large cap. And, and I think one of the reasons we see that is most people can recognize the names of our large cap companies. Um, even, uh, you know, we have uh, as a guest here in the studio, Tom, with us. And even if I ask you young guys, I mean, you're all going to know the name of, you know, McDonald's and IBM and, and mm-hmm. Apple. We're all going to know the names. But we start getting into smaller companies, and most people don't know who they are. So then people don't like to invest in smaller companies because you don't know what they are, what they do, and the research with that. Um, but yet, when you have a portfolio or an economy that's starting to expand once again, it's your small caps and your mid-cap portfolios that grow the fastest. So you have to have them, but of course you don't have 50% of your portfolio in them. It's a small percentage. So so with it, um, in our office, I don't mind using an ETF, which is an exchange-traded fund, folks. It's a collection of a basket of a whole bunch of stocks. Because sometimes you can't find the one or two individual small cap stocks that you want to buy. And buying one or two individual stocks doesn't give you enough room. And maybe you'll go to buy a mutual fund, which has got a bunch of stocks, and it doesn't quite do what you want it to do. So sometimes you just go through and buy an ETF, which is basically a collection of all of them in one area. Um, and so I like to use ETFs in that small cap marketplace. But I guess the biggest lesson in here, uh, taking from this article, is to diversify. But remember, Times like these when you start looking around and saying, okay, if we want to make sure we have a diversified portfolio, many people are missing the small and the mid-caps, and that's what happens when the economy expands. That's what goes first. Um, in fact, and folks, this is not a recommendation. Here's the compliance part of it. Um, this is not a recommendation to start taking your money and go running off to mid-caps and small-caps and that whole bit. But talk to your financial professional and make sure that you have some of those in there um, to a certain degree. Uh, this year, some of our, our biggest returns we're seeing in client portfolios whether we invest in them or if they come from other clients, um, you know, you're seeing 20% returns inside of these uh, mid-cap portfolios. They're jumping up. Of course, they got technology on the inside of mm-hmm. them, and those portfolios are just jumping right now. And those that are investing inside of the Dow this year are up a few percent versus you know, 12%, 10% we're seeing on a regular basis right now by having that money spread around diversified. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We do have somebody on the line right now. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Morning. Morning. Who are we talking to? This is Jim. Morning, Jim. I was on a conference call with three financial advisors. One was, there were large ones, like one was Oppenheimer. And for a small nonprofit organization, we're trying to select a financial advisor for some of our spare cash. Well, anyway, I was kind of startled to see that all three in the t- in 10 years, their average return was 6 point some percent. Wow, is that low or am I not looking at something right? 
no, that's probably about right, depending upon where the markets are. You know, you, you look at this. Um, if we take 10 years from now, um, we had, uh, of course, not only last year in the middle of it, we also had the great shutoff, for whatever the lack of term that is, from the pandemic. That was in there. And both of those events have really shut down the averages if you go back 10 years. I would imagine that's probably the neighborhood that it's been during those period of time. Well, that was that was startling to me, uh, you know, as to what the goal personally. When you look ahead, uh, you think you, you think you made five or six percent. You think, wow, if I'd have gone with some of the biggies, maybe I'd have made ten. So it kind of made me feel better, actually. Yeah, well, you know, Jim, you're, you're hitting something right on the head here. Um, if we look at um, what the markets have done a long period of time and it's, you know, from, they go from 1926 to date because prior to 1926, uh, the averages were calculated different than what they are today, such as, such as the S&P 500. And so when you go forward, that, I mean, the average is, is really in that, you know, 9 to 11% mark is the neighborhood. And that's for an all-stock portfolio. So if you, like many other people, say, well, I'm not going to be 100% stock when I'm 70 years old, and you have some bonds or some mixes in it, that takes away from a little bit. You know, so I don't have the, the numbers sitting in front of me, but I'd bet a 40 to 60% rate of return over that period of time would be someplace in that same neighborhood, that probably 6 to 8% marketplace. And so it may surprise you, but that number seems, in my opinion, about accurate, especially given uh, uh, 22 and uh, uh, 2000 when we shut the economy off. It would seem to be about right, about, about right to me. Thanks for the verification, sir. You're always right on. Well, Jim, uh, you give me too much credit, but I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question uh, for Merle. Before we get to our next break, uh, I do want to a- a- hit on something that you had talked about before when you were uh, citing your article uh, just before Jim had called in. Uh, you were talking about the multi-cap uh, certain aspects. So, uh I, I log into my 401k here from, from Midwest mm-hmm. Communications, and I can see that the num- money is held in something, I believe it's called like uh, 2055 market cap, because that would be my anticipated uh, retirement range would be something like 2055. Mm-hmm. So something like That's that. That's a really long way away. Yeah, it, it, it certainly seems like it. I can tell you that. So it's uh, something like that where you would want to have your money because uh, Voya or, you know, whatever company it might be is diversifying that portfolio for you with an eye towards optimizing by the year 2055. Mm-hmm. That, that, would, that would be a fair assessment. That's what they're trying to do. Um, At least type, trying, yes. Yeah, the type of fund that they're using there I'm not a big fan of, um, and I can explain why. But um, if we got to take a break, let's do that, and we'll come back sure. and we'll talk about your case, your sure. portfolio. So you're going to have to lay down here on the table. We're going to ask questions about your family <laughs> and uh, do a little bit of dissecting. So, uh, all right, do we want to take a uh, break? Y- y- yeah, and not that that hasn't been done on me before. I've got the scars <laughs> to prove it. <laughs> it's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense. You're on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. Right now, here's Chris Conley with this day. 847 on this Saturday morning, AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Uh, Merle, as we were talking about uh, before the break, um, I guess on my end, for somebody like me who's looking at, I just have the 401k offered by the company, you know, 
somebody else is handling diversification, the buying and selling inside of it. I don't necessarily know what's in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it's something called a 2055 multi-cap. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what that means. Well, if you're a Star Wars fan, this is going to make sense. Mike, my young Padawan learner. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. I almost said that with a Star Wars voice even. So, you did, yeah, actually, but, yeah. yeah. So, so let's go Let's go through this. And so there's two different types of accounts that are the old Ron Popeil set it and forget it inside of 401ks. Mm -hmm. There's one of them which is called a target fund, which is what you have. So a target fund is set by a date that's supposedly about the time that you're going to retire, at least based upon this model. And what the whole principle of that is they're going to have equities, and as you get older, they're going to keep adding more and more bonds into it. That's the general recognized model in which a target fund uses. So at your age, it doesn't matter much because it's not going to be many bonds in it. But if you're 50, you're going to retire at 55, and this just had started five years ago, you just got your hat handed to you as the interest rates went up last year, mm -hmm. and the bond prices fell out of the world. And that's the danger in these, is because it makes that everybody is the same, and they're going to invest in the same, and that when you're 50 years old, you should have a whole bunch more inside of bonds than you should inside of stocks because you're going to retire at 60 or something of this nature. So throughout the course of essentially the last 15 years, target funds have been adding more and more money inside of bonds based upon their model. So they're doing what they're supposed to be doing based upon their design. But people would just continually had more and more bonds added inside of those portfolios uh, when the bond prices were uh, inevitable to drop because of rising interest rates, um, and they couldn't correct it because of their model. So it's a dangerous place to be as you're getting closer to retirement. Somewhat similar to what happened to Silicon Valley Bank, right? Yeah, the the bottom, same exact reason. Bottom uh, fell out yeah, of it yeah. and everything The crashed. same exact reason. So I'm not a fan of target funds. Not only that, but um, uh, young Tom, uh, you don't have a microphone, so just shake your head. Maybe you invest differently than Mike does, which is different than me. But if we're inside of target funds, we're now invested all the same. So it's different. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Tom, you might be, you know, you might turn your hat backwards, have goggles on, and just go for it. You know, just run into the wind where Mike might say, well, let's take it easy a little bit. You know, so so it's all different. But this, uh, this um, supposes that everybody's the same. So there's another type of version or type of account on the inside, which I don't know whether or not uh, the station's 401k has, called an asset allocation fund. Much better. So if you take a growth model in an asset allocation portfolio, your growth model today is going to be the same thing when you're 40, 45, 50, 60. It's a growth model. That's it. If you want to change it to a conservative model, you can change it. Mm -hmm. Conservative models then uh, thereby by design would more than likely have more bonds on the inside, and they'd make that shift. But it doesn't automatically make that shift for you as you get older. Now, that said, the target funds and the asset allocation funds are better than doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But if you start working with a financial professional in that, for example, you can bring it up and they'll start going saying, well, let's skip those and we'll start using some of the individual stuff. We'll show you how to diversify that and, and make that different. And you're going to end up, at least in theory, having better performances returns by having a portfolio that's diversified. More in line, for example, most people who use modern portfolio theory uh, than using a targeted fund that's going to keep adding more bonds as the years go on. Now, you can never say that anything is guaranteed because it's not, but the probabilities are is that by adding more and more bonds as you go older, your rate of return will come less and less, and that might not be for everybody. might be for some, but it might not be for everybody. And so that's, again, 
why our industry exists, folks, uh, is uh, to help answer those types of questions. Yes, and because you know how to do that math, and uh, some of us are lucky. That's because I'm a weirdo. Some of us are lucky if we can back time to hit the top of the hour right at the uh, <laughs> right on the not or right on the dot there at uh, nine o'clock. Uh, but yeah, you brought up another great point too. Again, uh, for those of you who can't see, which is everybody, uh, we do have uh, reporter Tom Schumacher, and he's kind of observing the show just in case. He would have to host one of these days to get an idea and a feel for what the show is about. But that, for those uh, of you who don't know Tom, he's got a beautiful um, green feather bow on. In, indeed. And uh, uh, he's really uh, sporting it. Indeed. Uh, but we've got, you know, Tom who's in his 20s. You've got me in my 30s who's pushing a, <clears throat> a certain other decade, uh, which uh, we will remain nameless right now. And, of course, we've got Merle. Who's Merle? Um, I'm, I'm older than dirt. So, but but the the point you brought up there is all three of us are going to invest differently. Tom can be more aggressive. Again, he's in his his twenties. I'm still somebody who would want to be maybe on the aggressive side, but also with an eye towards okay, how do I stabilize that income when I do retire? Mm-hmm. And uh, Merle just does whatever he wants. You been talking to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. um, folks, I'm left-handed. And I got to share this story because it's kind of funny. Is um, I'm left-handed, and so uh, and, and I, I'm you know, I'm a hunter, and so I had I, I wanted to buy a gun, and mm-hmm. so for me to get the gun that had everything I wanted, I had to have it semi-custom built. And semi-custom built also means that they really like your wallet a lot. And uh, in that process, some of my friends disclosed to my wife the approximate amount I spent on this gun, and I got a <laughs> you did a what? <laughs> So I'm happy she doesn't listen to the show right now. Um, so we're good. She's in bed sleeping, I'm sure. So uh, uh, so I get, uh, what? Who let you do whatever you want to do? You know, one of those kind of things. And so uh, you struck upon a funny bone. So I appreciate right. that. Thank you. Yeah, I- I- indeed. So I, I guess to, uh, to, again, bring this in and land it, if I were to bring you my portfolio or just pull it up on Voya and have you look at it, what would you be able, uh, you know, to to do with it you would be able to kind of look at it and say wait a minute here's some tweaking some fine-tuning that we can do and again as you said that's why your industry exists for some Mm -hmm. of us who have maybe been on autopilot for a while and as we get older want to start tweaking things and uh, customizing things a little more well and that's exactly it um you know our industry has has been really kind of stuffy and big-headed for a long time and i'm gonna call out some people including some friends of mine where um, they would say things like, well, I'm going to help this person with investment A, investment B, but I'm not going to help them with their 401k because I don't get paid to do so. And I've long since been the person that says you have to help them because that's one of their biggest assets and that's where they probably need the most work. You'll get a little compensation helping with A and B, but do the right thing and take care of people on the other side. And so I've been a a big fan of of our industry saying, if you're going to help a person, help the whole person. Don't help just a piece of it. Um, And so... I think one of the biggest things our industry could do, especially for you guys in, in your you know, 20s and 30s, um, is to start getting you going on the right foot and say, do it like this. Here's the reason that you do it. And start with a financial education because God knows it's not inside of high school or college at this point in time unless you're one of the weirdos that went to college for finance and accounting like me. Um, it's not there. And so somewhere along the way, people have to learn what they're doing. So when they get into their 50s and their 60s, it makes sense that they have some assets there and how to pull some of the money out. And so I'm a big fan of that, of um, the relationship you build with a client um, is, is based upon um, education because um, education makes all the difference. 
you know, I have so many of my colleagues around the country, and, um, you know, they're saying, did you get a lot of calls of people wanting to sell out over this course of the year? I said, um, two. One just was that uncomfortable. They couldn't do it. The other person was, was building your garage, so they were taking the money out anyway. just decided to do it now uh, versus mm-hmm. later on. And so we didn't. They said, how did you do that? I said, from education and making sure we see the clients and let them know what's going on, giving our best guess and estimate as far as what's happening. Um, and, and that way, people aren't wanting to jump out of the window. Um, I jump out of my window quite a bit, but it's on the first floor. So right. I just get scratched up from the bushes, nothing else. But um, um, why do that? I mean, get the education, learn something along the way, and that's the best way to do so. So in your instance, I will be happy to help you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put your social security number, birth date, address, and your financials on the air next week. What do you think? I don't see anything <laughs> wrong with that. I don't. I honestly, don't, I honestly don't know how that could go wrong at all. What? How, how's that bad? Okay. <laughs> uh, but I'll be happy to help you. Sure. And maybe we can have it for a little bit of lesson on the show. We won't tell numbers. Of course. But just ideas. Of course. If you're willing to share that, I think yeah. that would be. I, a, a I, nice I can tell you, I've got an idea right now. We'll, uh, we'll again, we'll tell you. Uh, off the air but yes i do have an idea of what everything's worth and that's something that i just a habit of my own that i've always said okay i want to know at least ballpark what's here what's over here and so i've at least at all times got an idea of where i'm at in all those departments and i think uh you know that awareness again as you said is something that's uh that's maybe not necessarily always taught and that's just something that you learn from life experience yeah um you know, my dad used to say you can either learn it or you can learn it the hard way. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, you're going to learn it. Um, and so along the way, uh, learning it is listening to people who are older than you. My dad beat that into my head when I was a kid. We had a, a gentleman next door. Um, uh, Mr. Fitch was his name. Um, he was at 98 years old when he lived next door. Um, I always called my mom Mary, even though her name was never Mary. Uh, but um, his brother was shot by Jesse James on a railroad car. That's how old he was. But he taught me great lessons um, over life when I was a kid. Yeah, and uh, he is Merle Kelch as we are wrapping up another edition of Making Financial Sense here on AM550 FM 99.9 WSAU. Uh, Merle, if somebody does want to get a hold of you, maybe that somebody wants to have you take a look at that 401k statement. How do they get a hold of you here in Wausau? Well, folks, you can find us on 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau, Wisconsin. Come on in, have a cup of coffee, kick the tires with our uh, a newly uh, pre-minted uh, assistant, which she just won her, uh, won past her uh, securities uh, preamble this weekend or this week. Um, you give us a call locally, 715-849-3600 or toll free outside of the Wassa area at 1-800-366. Forget that one. I can never remember, it seems. Um, or find us <laughs> online at kelchinassociates.com. Easiest way, just go online. 866-355-5100. There we go. go. Yeah, there we go. Just go online, kelchinassociates.com. It's all right there. And, again, the office right there on Bridge Street in Wausau as well. Well, Merle, always uh, great to talk with you. We'll look forward to chatting again uh, next week. See you then. Again, that's Merle Kelch as we've been making fun.